Welcome to National Hockey Night. I'm Gary Thorne alongside <laughs> Bill Clement. Welcome to a sold-out McNichols Arena for the Red Wings <laughs> and the Colorado Avalanche. Bill, let's talk about the keys to today's game. Sorry. All right, so the keys to the game this week are, hi, I'm Walt Hickey, and this is, of course, Neil Payne. Uh, and you are listening to Not the Gary version. Not Gary Thorne. Uh, the 8-bit version of the ESPN National Hockey Night, which we will pr- probably get to later, depending on our willingness to talk about one of our corporate employers. Um, but yeah, welcome to A Couple of Goons. Yes, this is A Couple of Goons, the podcast where uh, we are literally the uh, the namesake. We are a yes. couple of goons that that like hockey. We're learning about hockey. One of us yes. is well, is learning at a more rapid pace than the other, and uh, we're we're just you know we're all about hockey on this podcast. We're we're, we're all kind of learning about hockey. I'm mostly learning about hockey. You are mostly teaching about hockey. But I think that every time that a hockey happens, we learn a little bit more and and come away just a little bit enlightened. Uh, so yeah, true. welcome to a couple of goods. Um, it's just us this week. Uh, this week, we are mostly going to kind of suss out the state of the league division by division now that we are very close to halfway through. I know that there's been a little bit of staggering in some of the games that some folks have played more than others. But like this weekend is when it's going to be the halfway mark for most of the season for most of the teams. Yeah, the the average team this season has played 24.9 games and uh, it's a 56 game season. So we really are very rapidly approaching that 50 percent mark. And I think uh, all but two teams are currently scheduled for the the 56 game mark. I think the only uh, game that needs to be made up is a stray Golden Knights versus Sharks game uh which which was the last i think covid um postponement from a couple weeks ago but yeah the covid list i think it's at only at three players which is um the you know kind of basically the lowest it's been all season and it's been that way for about a week and a half now i think um ever since the flyers cleared off pretty much all their players off the list sid the kid sydney crosby had a little bit of a like oh is he going to be on the list but then he got off of it pretty quickly so they seem to be figuring that out. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Uh, all of that. Knock on your Sherwood stick uh, from, from the 1980s. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a good chance for us to take stock of of the first half of the season and just talk about the the happenings in the league so far. I will say I recently watched some of Sidney Crosby's work and that man is very good at hockey. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he is um he's a generational talent as the as the as they say. Um now yeah. did you consume his work like you watched him play a game or you watched some YouTube highlights or maybe like all of the yeah, above? No, I listened to his album that he cut back in two thousand three. No, of course I watched his games. He's really good at hockey. Oh, <laughs> it was yeah. I think that okay. there was yeah. There was just a, a game on, and I was like, I'll watch this fella. I've heard quite a bit about him over the course of my life. And yeah, no, it stacks up. That guy's very good at hockey. <laughs> So the, yeah, that, that was, was introduction to Sidney Crosby 101. Yes. Uh, for, he got like a goal that doesn't look like it should have been possible within the bounds of physics, which as I understand it is the mark of a really good hockey player. Oh yeah. A true sniper sniper can, can do scores like that. <laughs> um, so first off this week, you know, eighth episode, uh, we are going to continue our tradition of going number by number and calling out, you know, here's a guy that Neil wants to talk about. And so I don't know, do you, do you have one, one in the pocket for this? 
quite yet. Uh, number well, eight. I mean, the 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 canonical number eight, I think, is uh, Alexander Ovechkin. He's he's the great eight. Uh, we talked about him at length a couple episodes ago during our our Russian episode, which was, yes. I think, uh, uh, I think will go down as a fan favorite um, when all is said <laughs> and done. I think people yeah. will um, look back at the Russian episode and just be like, that was some great work that these guys did. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we could go with him as number eight. You know, uh, there have been some other great players that were number eight over the years. Drew Doughty, uh, who has won multiple cups with the L.A. Kings, still on the Kings, by the way. Um, he wears number eight uh, as we speak. Um, uh Let's see who else wore number eight. I'm, I'm kind of looking down the list right now because I forget that this segment exists, even though I created it. Uh, <laughs> it's Dimitri Christich. I specifically said, I want to talk about some guys every single week. And I specifically want to anchor okay. to talk about those you know guys, what? too. I'm going to talk about a Russian who wore number eight that is not going to be Alexander Ovechkin. I'm going to talk about this Igor is gonna... Larionov. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to annoy somebody uh, a person who probably constitutes one eighth of our fan base <laughs> but literally yes, and that's, what the, yeah. that's what the eight is for is you know the the proportion of the total number of people who listen to this podcast uh <laughs> but no i'm going to talk about igor larianov who is the russian gretzky uh he was Ooh. one of the first yes he was one of the first players uh either like right after uh the the fall of the iron curtain uh or he may have uh, defected slightly before uh but he uh entered the league first played with the Vancouver Canucks uh, and and then played for the Sharks which is kind of interesting he was on the Sharks team that beat the Detroit Red Wings in the playoffs in a huge upset in 1994 and i want to say the Sharks like one of their first few years of existence. Uh, and then he joined the Red Wings, and we talked about the Russian five that the Red Wings had uh, in the 90s. He was one of the five and really put up some of his best work. I think his his best seasons came in Detroit. Uh, but he was a guy that was really the Russian Gretzky in every sense of it. He wore that Jofa helmet uh, that Gretzky was known for. And he was just like a, a great assist man uh, and, uh, you know, seemed to have eyes in the back of his head and and a great passer uh, and really had great uh, chemistry with the other members of the Russian five uh, because they had played together before, uh, before joining the NHL. Uh, and so Igor Larionov, really one of my favorite players uh, growing up and a guy who, I'm pretty sure he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Let me look at that uh, right now. He's got to be. Yeah, he is. Three-time Stanley Cup winner. But a guy who, because he debuted kind of late in the league uh, and didn't really get the benefit of playing in uh, the NHL of the kind of high-flying 80s and that sort of wide open style of hockey as much. Uh, the bulk of his career was sort of in the dead puck era, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, he doesn't have like the crazy raw numbers. And certainly he wasn't as good as Brent Gretzky, who, of course, is the Gretzky we're talking about, uh, <laughs> him being the Russian equivalent of. That joke will never get old, by the way, until it's we great. do our, our Gretzky episode. Um, but anyway, uh, so he doesn't have anywhere near the numbers. He he wasn't as good of a scorer as Gretzky. Um 
for instance, during his time with the Detroit Red Wings, which was eight years, he had 89 goals, which is three fewer than Gretzky scored in one season with the Oilers in uh, 1982. So, uh, you know, kind of gives you a point of comparison that, yes, Gretzky was much better than Igor Larionov, but it is cool to have a guy who was considered the Russian version and certainly had a lot of the same attributes and and uh, passing skills and all of that. And fun fact, before we stop talking about Igor Larionov, he was a perennial uh, contender to win the Lady Bing trophy because Ooh. he was just so darn gentlemanly in his in his play. He did not rack up many penalty minutes, certainly was not a, a bruiser. Um, and. Yeah, that's that's sort of the type of player that uh, that's the archetype that Gretzky set out. And and Larionov was certainly fit that mold as well. That's nice. Doesn't fight a lot. Really good at hockey. You know, that's cool. Good passer. Very unselfish. Sorry, Mr. Ovechkin. Arianov is our, is our, is our player of the week. Well, I didn't um, want to overload like we talked about. We just talked about Ovechkin. We I did, think yeah. <laughs> Ovechkin is clearly the the canonical number eight, but uh, we needed to find a different Russian to talk about. Exactly, exactly. Uh, did you watch any good games this week? Uh, you know, they all kind of run together uh, <laughs> on a certain level. You know, I, I tend to have them on in the background, kind of on my computer sometimes and just sort of let it wash over me. So, yeah, I, I think I saw a big comeback by Pittsburgh as one of the games this week. And uh, there was a stat floating around that Pittsburgh has some of the most comeback wins of any team uh, this season. So uh, that that I think stood out to me. Um, yeah, the Rangers uh, played them. Uh, they uh, Pittsburgh won and then they came back and the Rangers lost again <laughs> the following day. So, yeah, it's been a lot of uh, Pittsburgh beating us. I watched the game on, on Sunday when it was like, there was a Rangers game on. There was the Critics' Choice Awards, and then there was an interview that Meghan Markle and Harry and Prince Harry did with Oprah. And I was very proud to be watching the uh, like a hockey game and also the Critics' Choice Awards. It felt very on brand. I think you were maybe the only person that did that. It's entirely. I mean, listen, man, I'm a homosexual Irish American. There's no goddamn way I'm turning off the Critics' Choice Awards to watch that monarchist stuff. <laughs> like. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you you are the center of a very specific Venn diagram. The Venn diagram that I'm the center of is maniacal. I will tell you that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was a pretty good week in hockey. I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed a lot of the games that came around. The Rangers lost many times, but um, but otherwise pretty good. Um, this week, do you have a team of the week? Yes. So uh, I have a question before we talk the team of the week, refresh my memory. Have we talked about the Florida Panthers yet? We've not on the show. We've not. Then they are my team of the week. I, I, I uh, write so much about, I, th- I feel like I've written, uh, I wrote one feature about the Panthers and I think I mentioned them in like two or three other stories. So I couldn't quite remember whether we also talked about them <laughs> as a team of the week. Uh, but they are These the are team the that Panthers is of, of Fort Lauderdale or where do they exactly do they live? <laughs> You know, they exist in uh, w- what I would consider the greater South Florida Metroplex, whatever you want to call it. They d- technically play their games in Sunrise, Florida, which is, I think, a fair bit of distance away from like South Beach or away from actual Miami, um, because I think they got some kind of sweetheart like land deal or something with the local that government. Town- to- 
sounds like it was invented in the 50s to just like bamboozle wisconsinites out of money so that they could move to florida (laughs) sunrise florida do we have a deal for you uh what do i have to do to get you in an arena today uh so yeah the the florida panthers which is a team that has not advanced past the first round of the playoffs since 1996 let that set in for a second They've made the playoffs since then, like kind of sparingly, um, but never actually won a a legitimate series uh, in that span. Uh, but this could be the year that it happens. I'm not saying that it will happen. In fact, uh, I believe the odds of it happening are still, it's more likely not to happen than to happen. Let's just put it that way. Uh, they have a 35% chance of making the second run. That's not yeah. terrible, though. When you Over haven't done that. getting in. Yes, over, over, over 90%, yeah, 93% chance of getting in and 35% chance of making the second round. When you haven't done that in 25 years, that's a pretty good chance. And I'll I really like odds. the team that they put together this year. Yeah, take those odds uh, if you're Florida. So, you know, they've they've long had pretty good scoring. They have uh, a really good pairing of forwards, uh, Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberdo which is a great name to say, especially if you're Canadian, Huberdo. Uh, I believe Emily uh, Shearer, who was on um, our, our uh, trophy rating show, she said that was maybe the most Canadian-sounding name it's ever. Real, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, did you see that beauty of a pass Huberdo made the other day? Uh, <laughs> but Huberdo is great, and and nobody knows who he is because he plays. he's a French-Canadian dude who plays his whole career of like 10 years in South Florida. And Man, so he's like, like just totally playing, anonymous. Fast forward on life, like going, just, just moving down there in your twenties. Like. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Life really comes at, at you fast down there. It's just a blur of playoffless regular seasons in which you've scored somewhere between 60 and 80 points with 25 <laughs> goals <laughs> every year. But uh, now he finally, you know, there's like a pretty good core of supporting cast down there. You know, they have a defenseman named Aaron Ekblad. He's 24, having the best season of his career. And also they went out and they just got a bunch of productive guys in the off season to try to improve, especially defensively, because that's been the area where, you know, they've had some sketchy goaltending, some sketchy defense over the years. Uh, and the book was basically like, look, if you can shut down Barkov and Huberdo, uh, you're, you can really beat this team. But they picked up Patrick Hornquist. He used to be on the Pittsburgh Penguins. They got Carter Verhage, who used to be on the Tampa Bay Lightning fun name to say uh they also picked up anthony duclair from ottawa uh over the off season anthony duclair by the way is a dude that did the forsberg move which if you've never seen the forsberg move it's a little tough to describe but basically it's like you go down on the goalie uh and you you're kind of on on your forehand and you make them think that you're going to go to your uh to your backhand side but instead you put the puck on your stick and like only hold it with one hand and slip it past the goalie around like his <laughs> uh, as he's sliding the wrong direction it's a very humiliating move to pull it on seems a goalie very rude. usually it's so rude, so disrespectful. It's done uh, usually in almost all of them have been done on uh, in shootouts, and it's kind of a pet shootout move. It's kind of a broken move in in the NHL series, by the way, on EA Sports. <laughs> it's it's a pretty easy broken move to to pull. I really have seldom seen it be done on breakaways, like in live play. 
Anthony Duclair is one of the guys that has done that in his life. And I figure if you've done that at some point in your life, you can pretty much do anything you want on a <laughs> hockey rink. So good for him. But anyway, those guys that they picked up uh, are are you know putting up points uh, and and providing you know support around Barkov and Huberdeau. And they've also gotten really good goaltending, not from the extremely high paid, probably extremely overpaid Sergei Bobrovsky, who was a great goalie, multi-time Vezina trophy winner. Shout out to our trophies episode uh, with the Blue Jackets. But he's been pretty mediocre with Florida. But uh, that hasn't mattered because they have this guy, Chris Dreger, uh, who was kind of an you know, just sort of a backup type guy. He's having a great year in goal for them and really has kind of overtaken or at least is splitting the starts with the much higher paid, much more well-known Bobrovsky and is giving them what they need in goal. So I think a lot of things are kind of coming together for Florida. Um, right after I wrote my story, of course they lost uh, a game or two, <laughs> which is always what happens. If you're a sports writer and you write about teams, you kind of know that you're jinxing them by just, talking about them but they seem to have stabilized from that uh and have had a pretty good week they just beat the blue jackets four to two blue jackets are sort of you know uh, uh a little bit of a disappointing team this year to say the least but uh florida is looking in good place to make the playoffs and uh i think this could be the year uh you know in 96 Fun fact, when they went on that run, they actually went all the way to the Stanley Cup final before being swept by the Colorado Avalanche. And the, uh, during that run, because a guy named Scott Mellenby, who was kind of a gritty uh, forward on their team, one day, it was like midseason, I think they were sort of like scuffling, and he saw a rat in the locker room. And he took his stick and he shot the rat against the wall and killed it. Oh, no. <laughs> and so after that happened... Uh, somehow word of this story got out uh apologies to all the, the PETA members that are listening uh to the show uh you know uh, won't someone please think of the rats but at the same time when it got out and was reported the fans took to it and they started throwing plastic rats onto the ice <laughs> whenever they scored a goal so if you find clips from that playoff run uh, the goalie it's so humiliating because the goalie will have just given up a goal to the Panthers, who, by the way, were not very good. You know, they didn't have big name talent. They were kind of a grindy, uh, you know, team effort type of team. Uh, so you've just given up a goal to probably some no name. And then you have to be showered and pelted with a just a deluge of plastic rats, uh, you know, coming down upon you. And then they had to stop the game for like 10 minutes while the, the uh, rink crew came out and literally <laughs> swept up the rats and swept them off the side and the league had to say knock it off to the Florida <laughs> fans and, and never again were they allowed to wantonly throw rats I mean I think still probably sometimes you'll get a stray rat or two at a Florida game but I mean there was such a biblical number of rats on the ice after every goal that it, it became sort of like a pace of play issue we talk about that in baseball <laughs> it's sort of like oh there's too many pitching changes well in hockey the pace of play issue is there's literally too many toy rats on the ice because the <laughs> Panthers just scored so I don't know if that comes back i mean you know maybe they'll i think they already do say, have some fans in the stands down there so maybe it'll come back if they make a playoff run keep your eyes peeled for flying rats how do we like not know that this wasn't like a new player ratatouille situation that went really wrong like <laughs> 
Yeah, was First he all, being controlled by a rat? Who was the goalie under that his year? helmet? I'm just going to ask straightforwardly: Who was the goalie that year, and did the quality of goalkeeping change after the rat incident? Well, for Florida, the goalie was the Beezer, John Van Beesbrook, uh, who, by the way, has one of the greatest goalie masks of all time also. But he was amazing during oh, that run. Maybe to cover now, up the rat. Season, That's it. it was to cover up the rat, right? His regular season performance was just so-so. But then in the playoffs, he was fantastic uh, and really kind of single-handedly won, I believe, that series against Pittsburgh that put them into the, uh, into the Stanley Cup final. So who's to say? There was not a rat underneath uh, John Van Beesbrook's <laughs> helmet that was causing him to make numerous kick saves. All, all I'm saying is that Ratatouille is a movie from the Walt Disney Company. And maybe all of a sudden, the Walt Disney Company has a new interest in telling hockey-based stories coming up soon. Anyway, moving on. Ratatouille, um, based on a true story, uh, adapted yes. from the 96 Florida Panthers. Little known Amazing. fact. Yeah, I just I it, it, the sport rules increasingly because every time you come up with a new fact, it's wonderful. And like, yeah, no, they just you just throw dead rats on the ice, or they're like re- plastic dead rats on the ice. Yeah. D- now, to be clear, they were not real rats. However, if you do want dead animals to be thrown on the ice, Detroit has you covered. We probably should have talked no. about this last week. Uh, they will throw <laughs> literal octopi from like the fish market or whatever no. onto the ice after they win because uh, there used to be, I think like you needed to win eight games to win the Stanley cup <laughs> under the like 1950s style playoff format. And they were like, you know what has eight legs An octopus let's start importing those. And they literally, I don't know if, if this is still the case, I don't actually know how you get them into the arena now and like a modern setting, <laughs> but in the back in the day, they would just go to the like Detroit fish market say give me an octopus wrap it in like a newspaper stuff it under your like you know trench coat you go to the game and you're like yep definitely not carrying an octopus under here don't mind the smell i just didn't shower today it's kind of embarrassing appreciate it if you didn't ask me about it and then when the red wings won or whatever you take that sucker out and throw it out on the ice uh so but what yeah. if they lost did you just like throw it next to concessions like- that's a fucking great question and i always <laughs> wondered that is like what happens to the like unused the discount the, calamari the... at the like <laughs> yeah exactly calamari for everyone um <laughs> luckily though we don't really have to worry about that because i believe as was pointed out last week um and i even upped the number of simulations to 2500 at popular request i believe hey. the red wings still don't win That's the stanley so cup brutal in any of them in fact they don't make the playoffs now i can't say if that's now i can't say if that's because they've been statistically eliminated it feels like it's a little too early in the season for that to happen but at the same time uh it is for all intents and purposes not going to happen and we will not be seeing random uh fish detritus flying through the air which i guess is a good thing i don't really know yeah i mean again like with these, like a zero percent chance typically just means that, like, you know, the trajectory would have to be so ridiculous and so unkeeping with anything that happened previously that it is at this point outside the realm of possibility. But if something changes, that number could go up. Even yeah, right. If they bit. go on a crazy winning streak and win 
all of their remaining games. Maybe it could happen. I mean, maybe the better hope is for the team right above them, which ha- uh, the Nashville Predators, who only have a 7.5% chance of making the playoffs. But that is a chance. They will be known to throw catfish sometimes on the ice Ooh. in the spirit of like this whole like throwing shit on the ice. I don't know if it started with Detroit because hat tricks have always been a thing. You throw a hat yeah, on the ice, sure. you know, and that's sort of a thing. Um, but certainly the like throw something gross on the ice trend. I think we can pen the blame for that on the Red Wings uh, and other teams have like taken that cue. And it's like, what's something local, but still disgusting that we can throw on this ice surface, but it's okay. Cause it doesn't go bad. It doesn't spoil cause it's on ice. <laughs> That's the rationale, I think. I like that a lot because that doesn't happen in other sports. That will get you very, very frowned at. But like this, yeah. Just seems imagine like throwing, <laughs> imagine throwing dead, dead animals onto like the basketball court or something like that. That would be so gross to clean up. By <laughs> like, the way, also, like if the Knicks win, I just eat a dead chicken onto the field. Like no, <laughs> like that should be a thing though with the Knicks specifically. <laughs> that should be a thing. Call it the Dolan maneuver. Oh, my God. That's great. (laughs) Throwing a dead chicken on the court. Listen, hey, man, that that you you can say a lot of things, but the the man's music, it touches me in the soul that like I had never knew existed in the straight shot, baby. (laughs) Um, This week, we're going to go division by division. And uh, and kind of suss out what the situation is. I know that like you've been tracking this season over the course of the whole year. You went into it with expectations. Now that we're kind of middle-ish, right? We see how those expectations have succeeded or subverted, and and, and just kind of go bit by bit through. Um, do you have a cardinal direction that you would like to start in? <laughs> well, you know, alphabetically, the central <laughs> comes first, which uh, you know is I think the default sorting. Um, algorithm that we use so i think i'll go with the yes. central we all know uh, the in numbers central... we alphabetize all the just by team oh, it's the only way to sort completely it. i think the central also is the least compelling division race in terms of who will win it because the lightning are so far out ahead of everyone else uh in terms of probability now i think in terms of the actual like points percentage in the standings it's a little bit closer uh mm-hmm. but the lightning just keep winning and winning and winning uh and they sure seem to me like the best team in hockey uh they're only one point clear of the carolina hurricanes they've played one fewer game uh also so in terms of points percentage it still like appears to be a close race on paper but in terms of the elo ratings i mean tampa is so far and away the best team in the league right now that uh and also i think they face one of the easiest remaining schedules, if not the easiest. Yeah, they they're they they face the easiest remaining schedule of any team in the NHL right now. So I think all of those things come together to make it pretty clear: eighty-one percent chance that that the Lightning will win. If they don't, uh, we're looking at Carolina or an outside shot at Florida potentially do it, and then like some very remote chance that Chicago or Dallas would do it. Uh, and those are the teams that really, for all intents and purposes, are fighting for the playoffs out of it. Like, it seems pretty locked down that the Lightning are going to make the playoffs, and so will Carolina, and so will Florida, unless I've horribly jinxed them just then. And so those are three <laughs> or your four playoff teams right there. And then it is really close to kind of a 50-50 split 
between Chicago and Dallas with a little bit of an outside chance that maybe Columbus or Nashville could sneak in there. Very, you know, kind of a remote chance for them. Uh, so All most likely have losing looking at either the Blackhawks or Stars. Right. Yeah, it seems and, like all you know, those, yeah. it's it's a little tough in the NHL to even determine like what is a losing record because you can get points <laughs> for losing games. So right. really, if you have a four, if you have a um a sub five hundred points percentage, that means that you're playing quite poorly. Even the five hundred Dallas Stars are are that way uh, in part because they have five overtime losses uh, in there. So they got a little extra point going on uh, yeah. for that. Uh, but anyway, so um, I, uh, Dallas, I think gets a little bit of a boost because they have the higher ELO rating and that's because they're expected to be better going into the season in large part because they just came off a Stanley cup final appearance, but they are also underachieving so far this year and Chicago has kind of overachieved Chicago. I think we talked about them going into the season and I was pretty wrong about them because I thought they would contend to be maybe one of the worst teams in the league uh, because Jonathan Taves uh, had just sort of announced he would be out indefinitely with an illness. They had a lot of off season departures. I think they had some of the worst, like, you know, most lost value from last year via free agency or, um, trades of any team uh but they've gotten some pretty unexpected performances uh from some of their off-season acquisitions and or you know newcomers uh and so they've exceeded expectations dallas has kind of undershot expectations and that's how we end up in this situation where it's kind of a dead heat between those two so that's sort of the playoff race if you're looking for one where it's like we're not sure who's going to get the last playoff race the central is a good division for that. Not as much of a good division uh, for who is going to win this division. I think it's pretty clear. It's going to be Tampa barring some kind of (laughs) pretty large surprise. Yes. All right. So the central division, that sounds very fun. Uh, Again, those two are cool. We should talk about Carolina sometime. That'll be fun. Um, Yes. Carolina is great. They're also the, uh, the former incarnation of the team that sometimes has our theme song, which is the Hartford Whalers and Brass Bonanza. Not this week. Oh my God. You have it pre prepped. Amazing. I got that one in the back pocket. It's right. Awesome. You know, this is just, uh, we didn't rehearse this at all. This is just uh, serendipitous uh, radio. You're listening to right now. Absolutely. And that ends our advertisement. Remember the concept of bonanzas. Keep buying. Uh, So Neil, we come back to the next. A Western you might have watched on reruns growing up, but probably not. <laughs> there's a there's an earwolf show called Bonanas for Bonanza. It's a, it's an Andy Daly uh, podcast pilot project spinoff, and it is delightful. And so I've been I've been catching up on a recap podcast of a show that I've never seen in my life, and it's great. Oh, that's great! I love recaps of shows that you haven't watched. Um, no, it's great. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of Baywatching. If anyone out there uh, listens or, or watches uh, Allison Pregler on YouTube, she does a show called Baywatching where she summarizes, I think, the quintessential American TV show uh, of the 80s and 90s, which is Baywatch. Uh, two decades? But- it's the quintessential American show of two decades? 
I mean, if you watch it uh, or just watch the recaps of it, you will know that it pretty much encapsulates the ethos of both decades. Hasselhoff alone, I mean, was yeah, he was present for some of the most important moments of those decades, including the fall of the the Berlin Wall. So I don't know. I think there's a compelling case to be made. <laughs> what, you know, the man, compelling I'm actually case, listening now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that you yeah. might actually have a pretty compelling case. <laughs> David yeah. Hasselhoff, man of the era. I like it. Um Man of the century. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's um, talk about uh, the next division, the which East. is the East Division. Yes. Uh, and that one is a lot more wide open. I think it's the one that's most unsettled in terms of who will actually win this division. Right now, we give the Bruins a slight edge, uh, 34% chance, but the Islanders are right there at 33% uh, really coming up on them. Yes, they have been great uh, recently over the past month or so. And the Bruins, you know, I, I think on paper have uh, more talent. Uh, and I think they're, are they leading? No, they're actually, um, they're not leading. Uh, so I think no. that the, their, their, uh, their probability here is really more the product of the system believing that they sort of have this underlying talent that will help them uh, catch up before season's end as much as anything else. Also, it should be said, the Bruins play the second easiest schedule of any team over the rest of the yeah. uh, regular season. Uh, the Lightning are yeah. the only team that have the bigger cupcake. So I think that plays into it and, and why the Bruins, I think they're right now they're uh, third in points percentage, uh, but seem poised to make a run. The Capitals are the interesting team there because they're pretty close in points percentage right now to the Islanders, but we only give them a 15% chance of, actually winning the division partly because they play the fourth hardest schedule uh over the rest of the regular season and partly because elo just doesn't think as much of them uh as it thinks of the bruins uh you know based on track record and just based on who they've beaten and and how they've performed i think this season uh the bruins i think are pretty high in the simple rating system uh they're higher than washington in that uh which is another kind of sanity check metric that I like to look at at hockey reference, which is just schedule adjusted goals per game differential. Uh, and the Bruins right now rank uh, eighth in that, whereas the Capitals rank down at 17th in the league in that. So I think there's a little bit of a difference, even if the records look uh, in the Capitals favor right now, that there's a little bit of underlying difference between the two teams that's also playing into that forecast over the rest of the year um and then you know there's a little bit of a chance either the flyers or the penguins penguins have actually picked it up uh quite a bit i think recently over the past few weeks and they were a team that people were talking about maybe needing to dismantle and trade away a bunch of pieces really? uh yeah i mean you know kind of like ooh, do they trade crosby that was never gonna happen do they trade Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin. Maybe people were talking about that. Now they're not really saying that as much because they've kind of stabilized themselves and, and played a lot better, uh, despite, as usual, having you know a ridiculous number of injuries, which seems to be kind of the norm for them now. Uh, but don't look now, by the way, the Rangers... They have a 0.08% chance of winning the division, but they have a 5% chance to make the playoffs. So if we're looking at the playoff picture in the East, the Islanders and Bruins are in very good territory. The Capitals are in pretty good territory, 77%. I should say the Islanders and Bruins both north of 90%. And then 
kind of a dogfight between the Penguins and Flyers. Uh, both of those teams at uh, roughly 67, 68% apiece um, to make the playoffs. So really it's like five teams in that division north of 67% playoff odds and of course only four teams can make the playoffs so uh a bit of a tough battle uh for for that last spot so that's another one where it's like keep an eye on that keep an eye on the division race because that's not at all settled that's the most unsettled division race in the league right now could you do me a favor real quick could you actually say a bunch of nice things about the washington capitals so that they are jinxed uh it's for a friend <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, they 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 really look uh, good on offense and they've bolstered their defense. Zidane Chara and Justin Schultz having pretty good years after being picked up uh, in the in the offseason. Zidane Chara, we could do a whole episode on him. The man is like a living totem of hockey history uh, that happens to still actually be pretty productive, uh, which is kind of insane. This is age 43 season for him uh and you know the Bruins I think just willingly kind of moved on from him he was their captain uh and he I think uh the reports were that he would have liked to have come back and they were just like uh sorry we're moving on it's a new era well guess what he wasn't ready to move on he's still you know worthwhile as a player he's having his best season in a few years and again at a very advanced age so you know I don't know if he'll keep it up over the whole season but um he's given Washington a boost uh, where they need it uh, on defense. Are there any other they've been a famous bad players that left team. Boston? Are there any other famous players that left Boston in their forties and continue to perform very well South of there? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm sure there have been uh, numerous examples of that uh, over the years. Uh, and, and Zidane O'Chara is in that club. Um, but I'm just not quite thinking of someone else, you know, Maybe it'll come to me as the show goes on. <laughs> Name eludes me. Um, moving, I guess, where do you want to go Good next? year for Tampa, though. East? We just oh, talked about Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. Tampa's having, that's a, unrelated. Tampa's having a moment. That's unrelated. Completely unrelated. Absolutely unrelated. But Tampa's having a moment. Um, you want to go north or you want to go west? <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go north. We're not going to save the the most Canadian for last, uh, which would be my <laughs> normal instinct. But um, in this one, so Toronto Maple Leafs, pretty good odds to win this division, 61%. It's not a sure thing. And earlier in the season, we would have thought, well, if Toronto doesn't win it, maybe it's Montreal that, that wins it. Maybe it's even the Oilers. Well, guess what? The Winnipeg Jets are actually the second most likely team to win this division right now, 25%. I still think the Leafs will will get it done. I think on paper, they're the best team. Uh, they're just overflowing with, with talent that seems to be kind of putting it together and having career years. Austin Matthews, when healthy, because he's been dealing with a wrist injury uh, recently, but they also have Mitch Marner and they have William Nylander and, you know, uh, John Tavares and uh, an incredibly old Joe Thornton. Uh, so, you know, they have a lot of guys uh, that are playing well. Morgan Riley on defense should mention him as well, um, that I think they're they're the favorites, obviously, to, to win the division at this point. But uh, and Your I think numbers... they have the biggest lead of any team your numbers have the the Leafs and the Jets combining for an 85 percent chance to win the division so it's like one of those two teams an outside 15 percent chance of some other stuff 
Exactly. Yeah. So it seems like a two team race, which is interesting because the Jets are another team. They could be in that conversation for a team of the maybe not team of the week, team of the past <laughs> month, team of the month. Uh, they Whoa. have really, uh, really played much better uh, and established themselves. And the Canadians have taken a little bit of a step back, but um, I still think that they're in good playoff position. Uh, they have an 81% chance. Uh, I should say the Leafs have a 99% chance. The Jets have a 93% chance. Uh, and then for that fourth spot, uh, because I do think the top three are, are relatively secure, the Oilers have a 76% chance. The Flames, who just fired their coach, have a 35% chance. The Canucks actually, you know, if we had already talked about the Florida Panthers, I would have made the Canucks the team of the week, which sounds crazy because I think we <laughs> dumped on them like a week ago or two weeks ago uh, Very as, as being like the most disappointing team. Well, maybe they listened to that episode because they've been playing a lot better recently. I also think that they're regressing to the mean in a positive way because they um, just were never going to continue to play quite as disappointingly as they have. And they've also gotten um, some really good uh, goaltending uh, from a, a relatively unheralded guy named Thatcher Demko. I don't know if he's named for Margaret Thatcher. We'll have to look into that or, or maybe a different <laughs> Thatcher. Um, oh, no. <laughs> the Iron Lady of the Net, uh, Thatcher Demko. Uh, but anyway, th they're playing much better. <laughs> and, you know, when you have a hot goaltender, I think we talked about this, that um, – Anything is possible in hockey if your goaltender catches fire and right, starts yeah. stopping pucks. Um, and so they played themselves in that conversation, but I think they dug themselves too much of a hole to pull out of. Uh, and of course, the Ottawa Senators are just, you know, beyond hope. No one no one can save them. They're in that Detroit Red Wings category of yeah. all, practically no chance to uh, make the playoffs uh, at this point. But yeah, interesting to see whether either the flames or maybe the Canucks as an outside shot chase down, you know, the Oilers and the Canadians and get into that group uh, right now. But they're so far, the top four is so far ahead of everyone else in terms of points percentage. The Oilers are fourth in that category, 593 points percentage. The next best team, the Flames, are 481. So 100 points of points percentage, uh, uh, more than 100 points, separates number four from number yeah. five. And that's why it does seem like this is the division where it's sort of like the top four are most easily ensconced uh, of, of any division. Um it just isn't a great opportunity for a team outside that top four to chase down uh, the the number four team. The Flames saving grace is they play the 22nd hardest schedule in the league over the rest of the year, but the Canadians play the 25th hardest. So it's sort of like yeah. you're probably not going to chase them down uh, because they have a better points percentage and face easier competition the rest of the way. Yeah, you don't need to outrun the bear, so to speak. You just need to outrun the other guy. And so, for, right? Like, no, that's a great point. That's a great yeah. analogy. Like the the Oilers, you have at a seventy six percent chance of making the playoffs, and then like again, three points off in in Elo, like teeny tiny difference in the actual Elo between them. But then you have a thirty five percent chance that the Flames do. So like that's right, a very yeah, steep that, drop off. That speaks to the record that both teams have. Right. Yeah. That, that speaks to the record that both teams have banked so far. And so it's sort of like, uh, maybe the difference in talent between the teams is not that wide, but the difference in results so far, if you get out, especially in this year, I think we talked about this before the season, 56 game schedule 
is definitely a sprint, not a marathon. And so you really can't afford to have like a bad first, you know, couple months of the season, like the flames and certainly, um, like the Canucks. I mean, they had a God awful first two months of the season. That's basically what this model is saying. I think rightly is like, it's almost certainly too much of a hole to dig yourself out of. If you have such a bad first couple months. Yeah, you can't have a streak that goes the wrong way. It's also, here's interesting something. Uh, the Oilers are the only team that do not currently have any overtime losses. They get it done. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, this is a fun fact about the NHL is because of the the loser point, the Batman point, whatever we want to call it. That means that the Oilers have actually disadvantaged themselves because I think we talked about this. The higher proportion yeah. of your games that go to overtime, even if you lose them, mean that you automatically gain ground in the standings on teams that don't go into overtime. So by doing that, the Oilers have probably actually made their life a lot more difficult. They've played too exciting. They've decided their games (laughs) in regulation when they should have been boring, park the bus for 60 minutes, play for overtime, and then, you know, see what happens unbelievable you know you, you think that yeah. stats are making progress and then here you go it's a but, smart league oh wait no it's it's not really <laughs> uh now let's go out to the west there's been i I think i've watched more games from the west than i like have watched from many other other, other non-east divisions if only just because they've had either later games or they have like those winter outdoor games or any of that kind of stuff so i think that i've seen a few a bunch of these teams and they're all very exciting um What's going on out east? Yeah, the they they do have I think two of probably the for the four or five best teams in the league in the Golden Knights and the Avalanche and even the Minnesota Wild have like played themselves I don't think they're quite in that conversation but they've played themselves in that direction and I should say the St. Louis Blues who not so uh you know, long ago won the Stanley cup. They actually have a better points percentage than the avalanche do uh, so far this year. I think we still have them uh, behind in ELO, which is driving the projection, but it's a kind of a stacked division in the West. And we kind of knew that going in. What's interesting is we thought that the avalanche were not only kind of the favorite in this division, but one of the, the top favorites, if not the top favorite to win the cup, uh, maybe second only to Tampa. And they kind of have been surpassed uh, somewhat decisively in this division so far. I mean, they have a chance to catch the Golden Knights, but the Golden Knights have won, you know, a good number of games head to head against the Avalanche. Uh, I think including that um, one of the outdoor games or, uh, you know, one of the games that weekend. Uh, and also the Avalanche have just sort of hit a, a little bit of a, um, a slumping you know, moment in the season. Uh, and I think that uh, the Golden Knights have sort of capitalized on that opportunity. They obviously knew that they were one of the best teams on paper in terms of total talent, but I would have put Colorado right up against them and they have outplayed Colorado so far this season. And probably that's going to cost Colorado the division. Um, and so right now we give the Knights a 69% chance to win the division obligatory. Nice. Uh, you said it, not the, me. <laughs> the avalanche 14%, the wild 9%, the blues 7%. And, you know, despite the best efforts of the Kings, they look like they were coming on a little bit, but they uh, are not 
necessarily going to legitimately have a chance to win the division. Ditto the Coyotes. And we don't really even talk about the Sharks and the Ducks. Um, uh, but <laughs> I will say those teams have a chance to to at least make the playoffs. Uh, so right now the the Knights are at ninety eight percent to make the playoffs. Avalanche at eighty seven percent. Although I would be absolutely stunned if they didn't make it at least. Uh, the Wild, another team that's having a great uh, you know recent run. I'm wearing a Minnesota Wild hat right now. No one can see it, oh, but just for the record, uh, they're they're playing the Golden Knights tonight. Is Nothing against the Golden Knights. The outside, what is that? Their, like, logo what is their logo is. Their logo is widely regarded as the best in hockey, one of the best in sports. Uh, and it is essentially, it's like the outdoors. It's got like a little moonlit, you know, northern lights. It's like North Star uh, scene with trees and a river and all that. But the river also forms the mouth of like a beast. Uh, and so it's sort of one of those like logo hidden within a logo type of things, which uh, design nerds uh, such as myself love. Uh, and so they earned major brownie <laughs> points with that. Um, but anyway, they also have a really good team They're They, they've been playing, um, you know, they've been peaking, I think kind of recently uh, and have a lot of contributions from a lot of unexpected sources uh, that don't include Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, who are, I think their two highest paid players that are not having great seasons. Parise has been a healthy scratch sometimes, which is never what you want to, uh, basically a scratch is like a player that isn't dressed for the game. They're like on the the roster, mm -hmm. but they're not dressed. And if it, you, you can be a um, injury scratch, that makes sense. You're not capable of playing physically. If you're a healthy scratch, this just means you stink in some ways. And so he was healthy Oof. scratched uh, despite being, I think, their highest paid or at worst, second highest paid player. And tonight he actually ran into one of his own teammates. Uh, I forget who initiated the check, but they kind of blindsided each other. Uh, and it just was kind of symbolic of his uh, season so far. So maybe he'll turn it around, but the wild haven't needed it. They've gotten great performances from Kirill Kaprizov, another Russian uh, who is, I think leading the rookie of the year odds at various betting sites uh, and having a great season. Um, and then, yeah, I think the blues uh, they're at 75% to make the playoffs. Um, and I think they're a good, you know, a, a pretty solid choice for that, that that top four of the Knights avalanche wild and blues are probably going to be your playoff teams. The Kings have shown some fight, which is fun because, uh, I think they're another team that's, uh, like the Blackhawks, you like to write them off. They had kind of a dynasty or a quasi dynasty earlier in the, in the 2010s. And, you know, it seemed like those days were over and they were like, actually, we still have some good players. And, you know, you might remember us from winning the, freaking Stanley cup, but you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, so that they've been on a little bit of run coyotes have a 26% chance, but, uh, I think those two teams are still sort of like long shot, uh, outside looking in type teams when they're, when compared to the top tier. And that's kind of unfortunate because I think some of those teams would have a pretty good chance at the playoffs, uh, or at least a better chance in a different division, but instead, because they're in this one that has like, you know, stacked, especially at the top, it's a very top heavy division. They just probably aren't going to make the playoffs, but maybe they'll surprise us. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a very exciting playoffs, as we've talked about many times, because we don't actually know the relative strengths of these divisions. And so, you know, some of these maybe is getting into a buzzsaw that we don't know about yet. And it could be just very interesting to watch. 
yeah, and gosh, you know, maybe if if you fattened up on weak divisional opponents, which somebody wrote in after I wrote about the Maple Leaf, somebody wrote in and was like, yeah, well, they've only played other North Division teams. The, none of those teams played defense. You, you got to take that into account. And I was like, well, you know, they can only play the teams that they play. ELO tries to take into account, you know, the track records of the teams, yada, yada, yada. But it's a it's a fair point that also there could be stylistic differences between the divisions about the strengths and weaknesses of like, if you're an offensive minded team like the Leafs and you play in a very kind of questionable defensive division, maybe you're going to put up a lot of goals that maybe you wouldn't get against other divisions. So uh, I think that that also adds a, a layer of complexity um, when looking at the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier that Kaprizov, is that what it was? Uh, mm-hmm. How he is potentially in, in the lead for rookie of the year. I guess mm-hmm. we are halfway through. Who else is in that conversation? Well, I think Kevin Lankinen of the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, their goalie, He's a guy that's like almost totally unheralded. Um, I think uh, I forget. I think he got like called up to the team, but he was supposed to be their third string uh, goalie going into the season. And he just sort of outplayed everyone and took the the reins of that um, that uh, number one spot. And he's been great uh, and has kind of been one of the main reasons, if not the main reason they're in that, uh, playoff mix. Uh, and I think below those two, it's kind of unclear as to who else could, uh, could make the case. Um, I, I really can't even hazard, you know, uh, uh, like Ty Smith of the devils, maybe, Pius Suter, also the Blackhawks. He's had a, a fun name to say. He's had a pretty good season. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Lafreniere has, he's been playing better, but I think a lot of people uh, thought that maybe he would be uh, a great rookie of the year candidate as the, you know, number one overall pick in the draft. But it's been a little bit of a learning curve. I don't, probably don't need to tell you that uh, as as the resident Ranger fan here. Um, Greatest player he in the been, world. Well, he might end up being that. I mean, that's the other thing is like, you know, I think especially this year, it's it's so, you know, tough to judge players. We shouldn't be judging 19 year olds based on a half season worth of results anyway. But especially under these conditions, you can kind of forgive a lot more. Uh, But I think his absence of like massive production uh, in the early part of the season has left this void that Kaprizov and Lankinen have sort of stepped into and filled uh at the top of the the odds for rookie of the year or the calder trophy as as we refer to it based on our trophy well i wonder what tier that the calder was i forget what tier it was i don't think it was like especially high i don't think it was a particularly good trophy i think it was a it was was an okay one i don't know i don't recall if you could drink i have it somewhere around here i'm sure i could pull it off um oh yeah show notes calder um, you gave it an A, so I don't know where this is coming from. Uh, Emily on a well, the based on, trial, on C. Yeah, and then I, See, I was thinking B. of the aesthetics. C aesthetically, B drinkability. A, you want to win it, you know. So uh, yeah, th- if Kaprizov wins it, yeah, if Kaprizov <laughs> wins it, it is a uh, sign that he is one step closer to the Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's my go. official prediction. Love it. So I happen to follow a team that, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, um, is currently sitting on a 0.08% chance of winning their division, is sitting on a 5.44% chance of making the playoffs, which is, I believe, 
among the lowest of teams that have like above a 2% chance of making the play. So like, it's like kind of on the bubble there. Um, I'm aware based on our conversation with Emily, that it's okay. If not permissible for you to have more than one team that you like in hockey in the disappointing and disastrous. And at some point, inevitable possibility that the odds are no longer in your favor. Um, That's correct. If I'm kicking the tires on a couple clubs, who should I be kind of looking at specifically if you if you were me? Well, so I think the important thing here is to avoid like rivals, you know, so if your main team is the Rangers, you can't really be like a New Jersey Devils fan. That would be uh, highly, highly uh, unacceptable. Uh, and, and really you couldn't be Nobody probably, a, yeah, well also you probably couldn't be a fan of another original six team even. Uh, no, so, not. you know, like the Bruins are clearly off limits, probably the Blackhawks, probably the Leafs and the Red Wings and the Canadians. Um, so it does limit a little bit of, of your choices. Um, I think if you're looking for a team that kind of doesn't have a history with, uh, the Rangers at all and Mm -hmm. also has a really high chance of uh, doing well in the playoffs. I mean, the golden Knights are a pretty fun team to follow. I think um, geographically they're pretty in opposition to New York city. So they're, they're far away. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, fandom rivalries, spillovers and uh, you know, proximity based rivalries. Um, So, you know, I think they're pretty fun. Uh, I, I think you seemed like you took a little bit of um, a shine to the Carolina Hurricanes earlier when I, when I mentioned them. Uh, you were like, let's talk about the Hurricanes. It seemed like you kind of had your eye on them, uh, I, I, but I don't you, know if that's you, true or not. You've detected it. Yeah, I know. So there's like three teams that I've kind of been looking at. I like the I like the Canadians a little bit just because they're fun to say. And you know, Quebec's a great town. Um, yeah. That Although said, though, again, another original six team. So, so I'm going to kind of, of set debatable. Them I'm, yeah, I'm kind walking of debatable. away a little bit from that. I'm looking at, and just, I'm going to sound out a few of these and we'll see if these stick. Cause you know, like sometimes you just got to try things out. Uh, I'm looking at Carolina to the South or rather to the, to the central, I suppose. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then I'm looking at Vegas because it's a good town. And uh, and then I'm looking at Edmonton because it's very far away. It seems like it's got a nice vibe. Um, it abbreviates to EDM, which is a nice, pleasant kind of music that sometimes I listen to. And um, it just kind of seems like there's no situation in which New York and Edmonton will have beef. There's just no overlap in things that occur, you know? Yeah. Yeah, th- I, I like all of these picks. Um the Carolina one, the only complication there is that the Carolina Hurricanes did knock the Rangers out of, I believe, the qualifying round last year. Although that did pave the way for them to then get the number one overall pick. So maybe yeah. there's not beef there. Maybe the Hurricanes actually did the Rangers a favor. And I believe that's the only time they've ever faced in the playoffs. So it could be a, a sign of of actual, like, um, you know, camaraderie between the teams. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, we were yeah. looking down a hole, and it was a deep hole, and then they pushed us down the hole, but at the bottom of the hole was Lafreniere. So, like, I don't know, man. I think that I can see... I can, a pot like, of I'm gold at the... 
I'm willing to look past the the one pit. playoff loss, right? Like it's a, it's a sport with hundreds of years of history. That's not true. <laughs> with decades of history. Um, but yeah, I, I can look past that. And then obviously the uh, the whole historical vibe is always fun. But yeah, those are the teams that I'm that I'm assessing uh, as possibilities. And so those don't really set off too many alarm bells. It sounds like. No, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously Vegas was one that I kind of uh, came to mind separately. I like the Edmonton one, perhaps especially because there have been a lot of crossover between Edmonton and New York, you know, and the Rangers uh, over the years uh, in terms of Wayne Gretzky played for Edmonton, played for the Rangers in his final three seasons in the NHL. Mark Messier. Mark Messier, owner no, of Gretzky, the. Who's that? Oh, it's Brent's brother. Oh, uh, I knew, I knew the name. Okay, cool. And and Mark Messier, who's the proprietor of the Mark Messier Leadership Award, he yes. uh, won a number of championships with the Edmonton Oilers, and then became even more iconic with the Rangers as their captain, and won a championship with them. That's a pretty tall feat to win multiple championships with one franchise and be even more iconic for another franchise after that. Uh, and I believe the, um, the guy who was the, the coach of Wayne Gretzky's uh, Edmonton Oilers back in uh, the day, uh, I am obviously Glenn Sather. I don't know why I was blanking on his name. Glenn Sather uh, went on to coach the Rangers later on. And I think was even like, their uh their gm or something at some point and they've had a few guys who made that crossover between edmonton and new york john muckler great name uh colin campbell i believe coached both teams uh so if if you're thinking about uh like a history of sort of like they're not actually rivals they have a lot of crossover in terms of coaches and and players that have been on both uh, organizations. I think the Oilers are a pretty good secondary team to the Rangers for you. Got to be honest. There's a lot coming together uh, when you think about All that. All right. I like this. I like how, how, you know, it's one of those situations where like you pick you know, the favorite color and you're just like, that's a perfect choice. So, alright, I'll keep on developing these. I'm just, again, like the, the Rangers are going to make the playoffs. They're going to make it. I know that the nerds are saying that we got a 5% chance of doing that, but they're going to make it. But if we don't make it, I do need a backup plan. And so thank you yeah. very much for telling me this information. Um, yeah. Neil, that about wraps it up for us, I think, this week. Anything else you wanted to get in there? Any games that you're looking forward to? Well, I think the best game of the week is between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars on uh, next Tuesday. Uh, that one uh, could... You know, all of these games have big implications for a team like the Stars. Um, that is sort of, I think we said they were in like the biggest dogfight for the last uh, playoff spot in their division of any team uh, between them and the the Blackhawks. So got my eye on that one. Uh, and of course, the, the Golden Knights are playing the Blues and the Penguins are playing the Bruins. That's Those are always bitter uh, fights. So those are the three series that i'm looking forward to in the next week all right uh and where can folks find you well they can find me at 538.com i write about uh hockey and also sometimes things that aren't hockey and uh you can follow me on twitter at neil underscore pain and my pride and joy my github has all of this hockey data yes it is github at neil pain 538 on on github 
uh, just really, you know, uh, you never know what will be added to the to the repo uh, in any given week. The repo is popping. You know, I think that we like we give a lot of shout outs to this GitHub, but we do mean it. It's like it's really good to check this thing out. And so that's at Neil Payne 538 on GitHub. Uh, this episode brought to you, of course, by the concept of bonanzas as well as GitHub. Uh, and then I am Walter Hickey, and you can find me, the internet, at a couple different places, at Walt Hickey on Twitter. I'm at Insider. I'm at Numlock. It's a good time. Also, the awards season is coming up, which is the best best the, the best season, and then, then comes hockey season for me. But uh, it took a second to get that going. Nice. But it's here now. This has been a presentation of ESPN and the NHL. I'm Gary Thorne on behalf of Bill Clement and Darren Pang. Thanks for watching. NHL Tonight with John Butchagross is coming up next. 